This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. You know, there's something that happens to me, and I'm sure it happens to other people. And it's a very uncomfortable place to be when I am exhausted, emotionally exhausted, by the realization that I live in a world where left is right and right is left and up is down and down is up and nothing makes any sense to me. That's how I've felt for the last 10 days, nine days. And I've gotten into very few conversations about how I feel. Because I think people expect me automatically to understand things differently and to be able to calculate and comfort myself or whatever. And that's just not true. I actually fall apart more quickly than you'd imagine. And this has been a very, very difficult nine days, going on 10 days for me. Not because I can do anything about them. For the most part, all I can do is what I always do, which is try to inform people, try to have interesting conversations about whatever the subjects are that are confronting America. But again, it's like whack-a-mole. You know, every time I think, well, this is the issue that I'm going to be addressing for the next couple of weeks, whether it's trying to find a speaker of the house or whether it's trying to understand how we have gone so far afield on our college campuses, you know, as soon as I sort of zero in on one target, a whole bunch of other targets just pop up. And I just get overwhelmed because I realize that one little voice, you know, or 10 little voices, because I think around the country, I was gauging over the weekend how many people I thought were doing a good job at educating the American people, in particular the parents and grandparents of these lunatics on college campuses, about what's really happening, about what the Prime Minister of England said very clearly. This is not about militants. This is not about freedom fighters. This is about terrorism, and people just don't want to deal with that. These atrocities, the longer we get from the actual Saturday pogrom that took place in southern Israel, the worse we find the evidence of extreme cruelty that was perpetuated by these terrorists is really unendurable, even for people like me who are, um, we've had to confront this for decades. I mean, Prime Minister Netanyahu has been at the forefront 
of some of the most horrific scenes. And yet, even he can't, can't describe some of the things that he has been forced to look at. These atrocities. The first thing that hits you when you enter the Center for the Identification of the Dead next to Ramla is this unbearable stench that no mask can protect you from. The Shura military base, which under normal circumstances is the main camp of the Israeli army's rabbinate, is now like an endpoint. It is a horrific drainage basin into which the terrible river of the dead empties until the deceased are sent to their final rest. So finally, on Friday, almost a week after the war broke out, members of the Israeli and the international media were allowed onto the base to show the world some of the horrors that were carried out by Hamas in the communities near Gaza. The IDF spokesperson wanted to reveal what the murderers did, but at the same time, he said, be careful to avoid detail that then becomes death porn. That's what he called it, death porn. According to the people involved in handling the bodies, the description that Benjamin Netanyahu said of beheaded babies is accurate. And the sights are hard to grasp. You know, the more and more bodies are being brought into this facility, the less able the people working there are to put it into words. The work of identifying the dead is pretty methodical. It's like an assembly line. Only the 13 containers at the site, each one of which contains 44 bodies and body parts whose identification has been completed. No one ever dreamed they'd need such a big place to identify Israeli victims' bodies. 10% of the kibbutz population that was found dead after the Hamas massacre in southern Israel, 10% of the population. Hamas planned to kill and abduct civilians, and they found documents on the, on the terrorists. So they opened up the door to one of the containers and said, you can take photographs. And then they were given explanations. These are the, the, the journalists talking to workers who have literally been there around the clock since October 7th. And a lot of them are volunteers with the ultra-Orthodox Zaka organization. They're the guys who retrieve bodies and body parts after terror attacks. You heard need to be aware of what I'm talking about, body parts. Some of these guys belong to Unit 360, which is a relatively new national organization that also engages in identifying the victims. And others are civilian employees with the Army, while others are people who are pretty accustomed to dealing with the dead on a daily basis, you know, identifying the victims of disasters and preserving their dignity. At the edge of the compound is a refrigerated truck containing bodies that have been identified and are being released for burial. And it's a lengthy process to load it. Hundreds of families already have dead to bury and others have yet 
to receive verified information about their loved ones. Never before has Israel set up a project to engage in handling and identifying victims within a day. They're all wearing gloves and masks and protective clothing. They look exhausted from every perspective. And the mob of journalists just bursts into their world. None of them step up to talk with the journalists and tell us what they had seen. One said, one Zaka volunteer, Haim Oter, said, I have been here since Sunday. The ones here in that container are the only ones who have been identified. I have been unloading and loading the bodies all week. So how's he coping? He said, it's not new to me. I routinely volunteer with Shevra Kadisha, which is a burial society in washing bodies. Another volunteer who came from the Golan Heights the day before said some of the bodies are in very bad state. They weren't just shot. Some are very hard to identify because they were burned. In some cases, you find the body and the head separately. There were body parts found in the trees. It's a cruelty that is very hard to describe. I told the family I would stay here all of Shabbat to continue working. Head of the Israel Police's Investigations Unit, presently he's running this compound. He says hundreds of police officers are there too, working around the clock. Some of them, she said, some of them never dealt with dead bodies before. Many of them can't take it. The whole world needs to understand that the descriptions that have been voiced time and again by Israel's leaders aren't exaggerations. This is the same as ISIS. So they brought in international media so that they could understand the scope of the massacre that happened here because from Sunday, they already started to accuse Israel of being war criminals. The IDF only aims at Hamas, not at the civilian population. They don't attack children. Hamas uses children as human shields. Every soldier in the IDF should visit this place too to understand what's going on here and what happened. And you need to know about it. I heard Ben Shapiro, I watched a piece that he did. Well, he, he forced the listener, the viewer, to look at the pictures It grieves me greatly. But as I said earlier last week, when Daniel Pearl was beheaded, I didn't want to look at that video. I avoided that video for days until finally, one of the people that I worked with, I believe it was my program director, he said, how can you talk about this unless you understand just how serious this was? And I said, all right, well, you know, I'll I'll watch as much as I can take, but I, you know, I can't promise I'll watch the whole thing. And I couldn't, I could not watch the whole thing. I could not watch them hack away at this man with like a, it looked like a kitchen knife. You know, it's one thing to see a decapitation by a, a machete or a blade. It's another thing to see somebody sawing away at a human being to sever their head from their body. And that's what these guys did to children, to grandparents, in front of their family members. And people want me to sit here and call for restraint on the part of the part of the nation of Israel. 
Ain't going to happen. When you see atrocities like this, this is how holocausts happen because people don't want to look and who people will deny that it's actually happening. And then when it's proven months later, years later, they say, well, I just didn't know. We can't afford to not know. And watching left-wingers in this country hail these atrocities by Hamas against Israeli civilians is the hardest part of all. Just looking at these young people who are saying the most outrageous things like Israel deserved this. That these young kids at a music festival deserve this. That babies deserve to be killed. Babies. How does a baby deserve it? You got Bernie Sanders and AOC. They condemn Hamas, but then they start mitigating. And it's just, it's so disgusting to me. What little bit of respect I ever had for the left has just been annihilated in the aftermath of last Saturday. I don't want to talk to them. I don't want to debate them. I don't, I don't want to share oxygen with them. I don't want to be in a room with them. You know, when people say, well, they're entitled. No, they're not entitled. They're not entitled to equate what happened last Saturday, a week ago Saturday, with what's about to happen in Gaza. It's not the same thing. And the fact that they continue to say that makes me so, so disgusted. I don't know. I, I, I think I may have be giving up on the human race. I think these people who can say things like that are beneath, not, not beneath contempt. I have plenty of contempt for them. They're beneath my ability to call them human beings. Freedom fighters? You need to look at the videos. That's not how freedom fighters fight for freedom. Nope. Laughing. Laughing. While they kill babies. Who does that? And why would you defend it? Why would you call them a freedom fighter? Why would you give them any credit at all? How they could hail Hamas's atrocities is beyond my comprehension. But I'll tell you one thing it tells me for sure. There are reasons some of my own family members have not contacted me in the last week because they don't want to hear what I have to say. And they know that if they dare, if they dare defend this, if they dare condemn Israel, it could be the end of our relationships. Because I can, I can have a political debate with you all day long. We could talk about how you hate Donald Trump and I hate, you know, I hate this one and I hate, but, but, but we cannot talk about this. We can't. We can't talk about this bloody pogrom that took place on October 7th and you expect me to stay reasonable and calm. I'm reasonable. You're unreasonable. If you're defending Hamas, you have lost your mind. And I am uninterested in debating this with you. 
Actually, I, I, I probably want to just punch you in the face. And I'm not a violent person. But I don't want to hear those words come out of anybody's mouth, least of all anybody I care about. Because it shows me that you're a bankrupt human being. And I don't have the I don't have the, the strength, not this week, to tolerate you at all. I gotta take a break. Don't forget to download our app, the eight fifty WFTL app, and to visit the website, eight fifty WFTL.com. That way you can hear today's No Restraint podcast, which uh, whether you like it or not, is gonna be about this subject. Because there's nothing more important right now. Nothing. I don't care about the Speaker of the House right now. I do, but I don't. I haven't got patience for that, for the political machinations. I don't care. You know, uh, I got a, a, an existential civilization crisis that's raging right now. And m- mind you, not a word about what's happening in the Ukraine. Not a word. It's like the war du jour. How did we become so disgusting as a race, as a human race? I don't know the answer to that, but it's certainly confusing. Let me take a break. I will be talking with uh, somebody from Operation Life Shield, Shmuel Bowman from Israel. He'll be uh, talking with us in the twelve thirty, uh, the three thirty segment of the show. But for right now, let me take this quick break. I'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. So, you know, there are just some people I can't stand, and one of them happens to be Thomas Friedman, who writes for the New York Times on uh, foreign events. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden, he, he's standing 100% with Israel against Hamas. But, and there's always a but, he is blaming Israel and the conservatives in Israel, far right, he calls them, for stirring the boldness of Iran, Hamas, and Hezbollah. In other words, it's Israel's fault. And now he's worried that Israel is going to try and out-crazy Hamas's latest craziness by attempting to destroy Hamas the way the former Syrian leader Hafez al-Assad attempted to destroy the Muslim Brotherhood in 1982 when they killed like 20,000 people. (laughs) So in other words, Benjamin Netanyahu is the same as al-Assad, Hafez al-Assad. You know, my friend sent me a 
an email. I haven't even opened it yet, but I know exactly that he's having the same reaction I am because he uses an expletive in the title of this email, and he's not a guy who curses that much. But he said, send Tom effing Friedman to Gaza. And I don't even have to open. I know he read the same article I did. So who is, the question is, who are you going to believe? Are you going to believe the Thomas Friedmans who have been on the wrong side of everything? Who are weeping for the, uh, you know, the Muslim Brotherhood's Hamas? Oh, I just, like I said, every single day, I add more people to my list of I simply cannot read their work. I simply cannot talk to them. I simply don't want to hear about them anymore. This has drawn such a sharp line between people that I can have a conversation with and people I can't. And believe me, you know, Donald Trump was a, a perfect example of how I could have one opinion and my friends could have another opinion and we just couldn't talk about that. But now I don't want to talk with anybody, anybody who defends Hamas against Israel or who blames Israel for what the pogrom that took place in southern Israel, anybody who blames Israel for that, stay away from me. Don't, don't email me. Don't text message me. Don't come into any room where you know I'm going to be because I've lost control of my temper. It's gone. And I'm not going to be responsible for what happens if you try to get in my hula hoop with me. As a, it's not going to work. It's just not going to work. All right, I'm going to take a break because I have a guest coming up from Israel. I don't want to keep them waiting. So you stay right where you are, and uh, and and you will get to hear from Operation Life Shield and you know a, an absolute important segment of the show this week is coming up next. Stay right where you are. All right, and welcome back. You know, as I promised, I really, I'm trying to get as many people on the air as I can from Israel, but not just to report on how horrific what's going on is, but also, is there anything that we can do about it? Is there any way that we can help? So I've invited um, Shmuel Bowman on. He is a gentleman who's been dedicated to putting project, uh, putting up protective shelters throughout Israel with Operation Life Shield. And they've been doing this, what, since 2006? Is that true, Shmuel? Yeah, hi, Joyce. Yeah, we've been doing it since 2006, over 17 years, and have placed over over 500 shelters of different kinds mm -hmm. and have protected the lives of thousands of Israelis, foreign nationals, tourists, the guest workers, pilgrims. Yeah. And that's what we've been doing. And I noticed that uh, the uh, Senate Majority Leader, Chuck Schumer, had to be placed in one of those protective shelters on his visit to Israel yesterday. What a nightmare. And talk a little bit about how the Israeli people are coping, because it seems to me that I'm looking at pictures where these terrorists actually got into some of these shelters and, and were murdering helpless civ civilians inside of shelters. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it's, we, we use terms like terrorists. Uh, we, we, we use word like, words like murder. 
Uh, Joyce, I think we need to almost invent new words to describe the level of the atrocity, something that we just haven't witnessed in our generation. And, you know, when we're talking about people who seek shelters when the rockets are, are, uh, are, are threatening them, this goes on all the time, though, Joyce, all the time, especially people in southern Israel, in that area called the Gaza Belt Envelope, which is home to about a, uh, excuse me, about a million Israelis. Um, and this is something that they're used to. So what do you do when the siren goes off, as it did on Saturday, October the 7th, which was Shabbat mm-hmm. and the Jewish festival of Simchat Torah, the rejoicing of the Torah, is they run into a shelter. Mm-hmm. And you think that you're going to be protected there from the rockets. Mm-hmm. And you are, except one thing, that these uh, animals come over and specifically are looking for families, right, children, mm-hmm. elderly, who are taking refuge in these shelters. Um, Joyce, we've seen the fires that were started to smoke them out. Mm. Does this sound like anything from our history Mm. so that Jews would be smoked out or either stay there and burned alive? Mm -hmm. This is what's going on, Mm -hmm. that they open fire inside the shelters, okay, in terms of shooting them, that uh, we we have graphic, horrible pictures and stay out of elderly people sitting outside of the shelter, okay, thinking that they could get a little bit of fresh air mm-hmm. and literally uh, having these absolute horrific, horrific, evil, evil creatures gunning them down. Mm-hmm. And so these shelters, which did provide safety, also became uh, places where they were targeted, as mm-hmm. people were also targeted in their own homes, as they were also targeted at a peace music festival, yes. as they were targeted... Uh, at army bases. I mean, it was just an absolute slaughter. Mm-hmm. And the numbers that are coming in today, I mean, not only has the death toll risen, but we're now looking at 199 hostages that are being held. I mean, I've watched that number go from under 100 to 130, which was just yesterday, and today we're at 199. This is staggering. How is the Israeli public handling this? Well, yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a it's a blend of things. It's a mix of absolute shock, uh, a, a sense of um, uh, helplessness, mm-hmm. and you have to imagine. Let's take it to the let's you know that number. The, it's hard to get our heads around that, uh, head around that number. 199 hostages. I mean, you know, we think of we think of hostage taking, and it's always a terrible situation. You're dealing with a certain fixed number. You get your head around what that means. Usually the hostages are in one particular specific area. People are negotiations go on. You have a spokesperson from the hostage, from the terror side. We're not dealing with that. We don't know where they are. A, mm. B, we know that the hostages have been extremely abused. Okay, women have been raped. Okay, we 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 know that the the people have been bound with their hands behind their back behind their backs now for days on end, without any care in the world. We know that there's they're, that they're being starved, and we also know the unspeakable type of type of uh, atrocities that may be committed. It, it's 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 beyond anything that you and I or any of our listeners could possibly imagine. Mm-hmm. So that is causing literally our insights as a nation, our insights are turning over. And yet we know that we have to do everything possible, everything possible to try and liberate them, everything. Mm-hmm. There's no negotiations going on. There's no one to talk to. They're not interested. We don't know 
where they are, and very chances are that they're spread out all over the place. We don't know their health condition. Okay, my friend's cousin, an 85-year-old Holocaust survivor, was taken with her three grandchildren. Oof. Okay, we were told by my friend that she wouldn't be able to survive two days without her medication. Mm. Okay, so we don't know what's going on with her. Mm. There's a six-month-old infant. Okay that's being held captive. Do we, do, can we even grasp what's going mm. on with this? Can you imagine? What, and you have to understand that in Israel, it's one degree of separation. Everybody right. knows. Everybody knows somebody who's there. Okay, mm. I personally know more than three or four people who are actually held captive. Mm. Okay, so, And I'm not alone. Everybody in the country feels this way. So it's personal. It's not just some faceless number. And we're going to do everything we can to go in to do two things. We're going into Gaza to, to liberate our brothers and sisters who are there, and we're going into Gaza to wipe out and destroy this evil, uh, I, don't even, I can't even think of the correct adjective, what to call the, this evil, but this evil force called Hamas, and wipe them off the face of the earth. That's what we're there to do. And you know what disturbs me the most is watching the protests going on around the country. It's got to be demoralizing for everyone in Israel to see Jews uh, in America and in, in, in Great Britain uh, literally calling for proportionality. I mean, what, what is a proportional response to a baby having their head cut off? You know, uh, that, that's insanity to me. Right, I and, was, yeah, I was, I was, I was, I was. Uh, I, when I first heard that concept, I think it was in a, uh, in a uh, little, you know, in a, in a no, uh, little known uh, uh, cable uh, network called MSNBC. Some people may have heard of it. When they yeah. actually said the following, and I wrote down, I wrote this down. I actually wrote it down on a piece of paper, and they said, they said, on both sides of the issue. That's what they're talking about. They're oh. talking about protests, on both. And I thought, really. What is the what is the other side of the issue regarding decapitating babies? I just mm-hmm. want to hear what on earth could possibly be any justification for that. Really, there's actually another side to that issue. And the answer is no, in my in my opinion, and I know in your opinion, no. There's there's truth, and then there's everything else, right? There is there is right, and then there is wrong. There's no middle ground. There's no gray area. So what my response to the people who are protesting, and who are calling for some sense of proportionality. proportionality. Let me put it this way, Joyce. Once upon a time, you know what I would have said? I would have said, Joyce, you know what? Uh, they're, uh, they're misguided. Uh, they're ignorant. Uh-uh. Uh, they're naive. I, used to, I would have said that a while ago. You know what I'm saying today? I'm saying today anybody who supports evil is evil. Yeah. Uh, Got I'm- it? Oh, I agree. Listen, I heard a father who had his eight-year-old daughter was uh, taken with the hostages, and he was informed within 24 hours that she was dead, and he was grateful because he didn't want to think of this eight-year-old in the hands of these savages. Now, that should tell everybody anything you need to know about that. Imagine a father being grateful for the death of an eight-year-old because the alternative was so much more uh, disgusting. So look, the barrage of rockets is not abating. It's not slowing down. They had over 6,000 rockets um, launched in the last week. So uh, these structures, the, these um, these uh, bomb shelters that you have been putting up all over the place, are you able to continue to monitor them and put up new ones? What's going on? Okay, so this is the, this is the question. This is the question that kind of keeps me kind of 
going, you know, what, 22 hours a day now, mm-hmm. having to order more and more shelters. Listen, the fact is, is because of the fact that we've been in this nonprofit organization for the last 17 years and the fact that we have had a solid relationship with the suppliers and with the builders, and we have a day-to-day relationship with the security officials in all the affected regions means that we're in a position to know where the greatest need is. And we also can access where the shelters are made. So we're ordering shelters, but needless to say, there's a backlog. Okay, one of the biggest reasons there's a backlog is because transporting the shelters is a problem. Why? Because all of our truck drivers, most of our truck drivers, and crane operators are busy moving military equipment around, okay? So we do have actually at our disposal, we have a few wonderful, amazing angels. These are angels. These are guys who get into their trucks under any condition, okay? And they'll go if the rockets are flying and they'll move shelters where they need to be. So we're doing that. The other thing that we're doing is because most of our shelters, and I would say about 98% of our shelters are transportable. That's right. We made them with hooks on top of them. So you can take a 40-ton shelter. It's got four hooks. They come along, a crane, attach whatever, the chains, whatever, lift it up, put it on a, on a truck, and move it to where now it's more strategically urgently needed. So that's what I'm spending a lot of time doing right now. Every day we're moving shelters around. We're moving them. Yes, we are moving them from communities that have been destroyed. Mm-hmm. And I say this with a heavy heart. Right. And we're moving them to places where they are needed very, very desperately. And so that, so we're doing both those things, right? And we're able to continue doing that even during these uh, times, even under uh, rocket attack. Yeah, because now you got to worry about northern Israel, where the southern Lebanese Hezbollah forces are, you know, th- with with unlimited amounts of rockets, and some of them far superior to what was being launched from Gaza. Exactly, and as a result, we just finished, a camp, well, we're in the middle, almost finished a, camp, a, a project up there. I cannot mention the exact location for mm-hmm. security reasons, but it is a northern t- town, in Israel, we just finished renovating 53 underground bomb shelters with each bomb shelter able to hold about 100, 150 people. Um, we just finished renovating 53 of them, and we just started renovating another 20 of them. We'll be finished with about 73 bomb shelters for this town in northern Israel that will help them be able to withstand uh, the barrage that that Hezbollah can launch at them. And we really, I mean, we're seeing this now. North, communities in northern Israel have been told to evacuate. We don't know for how long. And so we're also looking at a northern uh, conflict as well. And we're there as well to provide shelters. And what does it mean to provide shelters? It means that even though we've got Iron Dome, which is amazing, I mean, it's an it's a interceptor uh, missile um, uh, strategy where we can actually, right, we can knock out these rockets. First of all, I mean, you know, it, 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 the, the, it's, it's on overload, and we're, we're doing our best, and yet many, many rockets are still coming through, and they're still landing. Plus, when rockets explode in the sky, when they're intercepted, all that, right, shrapnel, all that metal, all that material falls straight down. Shelters are the only real way for people to be protected. Plus, 
Joyce, we have got a national PTSD situation oh, now. Yeah. You understand? Mm-hmm. You're talking, try and imagine what people are dealing with now, okay? And shelters, we're, we're being told by therapists, by psychologists, that shelters are an, an important part of the uh, kind of a sense of, sense of, 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 of calm and security. Yes, there's a shelter nearby. I can go there. I can be safe. People are moving into shelters. Yeah. They're bringing their beds in there. They're bringing their, their food in there, okay? And that's what's going on. Well, all I want to tell my audience is you've all emailed me and text messaged me and, and you know, come up to me at public appearances and said, what can I do? One thing you could do is get involved in this life-saving mission, which is to put these shelters where they're needed. It's called, You can go to the website. It's operationlifeshield.org. That's operationlifeshield, one word, dot O-R-G, and get involved. This is an emergency. We can't, we can't wait. We got to act now. Uh, Shmuel, I'm always pleased to talk with you. I'm always a supporter of your work. But now more than ever, please know that my prayers are with you. Thank you, Joyce. I, 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 I deeply appreciate that. I have to tell you just one last thing is today uh, they buried uh, at the funeral of my friend Vivnat, a coach who was murdered along with her husband, her three children, and her in-laws. And she was a pioneer in uh, educational programs for children with PTSD. Mm-hmm. Ironically, how horrible that the person who was, could have been so needed right now to help in the healing of our nation was gunned down with her husband, three children, and her, her, her in-laws. And I know that when you share your, 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 your love and your passion with us, I know that extends to Lise Nutt and her family as well. So Absolutely. I thank you very much. And we thank you. And I'll be back in touch with you soon so um, you can continue to give us updates, all right? All right. Thanks so much. Thank all right. You. Thank you. All right. And listen, you know, this is a man who I've, you know, worked alongside of virtually because he's in Israel and I'm here for a long time. Um, and the, it's, a, it's, it's just heartbreaking. That's all. If your heart isn't broken... There's something terribly wrong with you. And I don't, you know, I don't like to cry on the air. But there's just so much that the human being can absorb and be witness to. Now I know how the Holocaust happened. Now I understand how people will turn away from the horror to save their feelings. And then the horror just grows and grows and grows. We can't allow that. Not this time, not with everything we have available to us, not with all the social media and all of the technology that we have. Don't turn away. Get involved on some level. All right, let me take the final break. I'll be back to finish up the show. So there are four groups of people right now. Those who believe the narrative and comply. Those who know it's BS and comply anyway. Those who are waking up to the lie and are starting to refuse to comply and those who knew it was BS right from the start and refused to partake in the lie. And that extends to everything. The coverage of the war in Israel, the coverage of the war in the Ukraine, which, by the way, has fallen off uh, the subject list or the subject matter of most programs, but not off of everyone's. 
So it's time. It really is time for you to start using your brain and stop allowing the mainstream or the lamestream or whatever you want to call it media to control what you think is important and to control how you think about those things. So I'm just calling for a, a revival in thoughtfulness, if, if nothing else. Don't forget, coming up after me is Eric Erickson, then he'll be followed by Joe Paggs and Lars Larson, the Overnight Guys, and then tomorrow morning at 6 a.m., Jen and Bill will be back, followed by Brian Kilmeade at 9 o'clock and Dan Bongino at noon, and of course, then I'll be back at 3 o'clock tomorrow afternoon, if it be his will, and he delays his coming. Remember what lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, be yourself, but don't hide from the ugliness of what's going on right now. Make sure you understand it. And please, whatever you do, do not defend terrorists. Don't do it. God bless you and God bless the United States of America. I'll see you all tomorrow at three. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.